Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Proper training is the key to giving people the knowledge and tools to be successful. However, managing safety training can be overwhelming and time-consuming. Over 80% of injuries are human error. 81% of safety managers say that breaking workers free from their task is a major problem. Total Health and Safety Solutions now offers online training that will provide excellent content to your employees and make scheduling time much easier. It's important to ensure your safety training is meeting regulatory requirements, measurable, retained, and verifiable. We want to help you make safety training easy and effective, alleviating the worry, wondering if workers are being trained properly so they can perform tasks safely. Our online training, TED-Ed, gives many options to meet your specific needs and is offered in multiple languages. It's as easy as one, two, three. Go to our website at healthandsafetynow.com, click on TED-Ed in the top right corner, pick a topic, click start and create your own account. It's that simple. With our online training, you will have greater accountability, the ability to verify training, flexibility of scheduling, improved retention, no worries with language barriers, and more time to focus on other safety needs. If proper training isn't done, injuries will continue and OSHA issues will arise. So please check out our online training. Again, it's as easy as one, two, three. Go to healthandsafetynow.com. Please join us in welcoming Brad Scher, safety engineer with Mortensen Construction. Hey, Brad, how are you doing today? Not too bad. How you been doing, Ted? Well, I uh, can't complain too much, and if I do, usually nobody really cares all that much anyway, so I, I won't go on. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Brad, thank you for being on our podcast today. That's the truth right there. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for being on our podcast today and, you know, letting our listeners know a little bit more about safety and some of your background. Could you kind of just tell everybody a little bit about you? Yeah, so I've been safety for about five years now. I started in 2006 as a craft worker, so I got quite a few years in the field, transferred into safety. They always say you got two ways to get into safety, right? Either you get hurt or you go through school. Mine was going through a little bit of an incident at work, so... I ended up breaking my back, going through a deck bore. They asked me, what do I want to get into next? Obviously, you're not going to go back into the field after an incident like that. One thing that came up to me, knowing how important safety is and going through an incident, I said, I kind of want to get in the safety realm. There's one thing that I seen that could have been prevented, changed my life. And my big thing was making sure being out there, being attentive, that we can catch things prior than going wrong, right? So that was my big goal. And so I went into safety. Well, yeah, I mean, and what you offer though, Brad, is very unique, right? You and I have talked about this too, because you've actually done and performed the work, right? Where a lot of safety professionals, such as me, don't necessarily know how to actually 
actually perform the, the work, but we know how to get it done safely in our own mind, right? And so where you could offer that little bit extra of, no, actually, this is why they're doing it this way. So let's try to find it around there. That kind of a way of, of how you approach safety? Yeah, I use a lot of my field experience when it comes to safety because I've done the work, like you said, Todd. I've been in those shoes. It gives me a pretty good advantage, especially coming into meetings. I can play this little stupid card, right? Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> when I know exactly what's going on, I'm having that experience and play off it and then go, hey, I, I think there's a better way we could get this, right? Right. Big thing for me, I got a lot of friends in the field yet, working with them, making sure that we do have a good understanding and getting them to own the safety role is the big thing, right? Not being that safety cop is huge. Get a lot better response going out there, working with them, get them to develop and create their own plans. Because we all know once you create that, you own that. So that's the huge part for me. It sounds like with your experience, you kind of have a different aspect to share with people that you work with. And like you said, helping them build ownership is a big deal, right? If they feel a part of something, do you feel like your background and kind of knowing what their day-to-day is helps you build that trust with them? Yeah, I think that's huge. Early on in my safety career, um, I was actually in a job with Ted and I sat down with Ted and I actually asked him, you know, I said, I kind of feel like I'm set back. You know, I don't have the schooling. I don't, know what's going on. And Ted goes, you've been doing this for so long. You know exactly what's going on. And you're seeing it from a different perspective than someone from school does. So he goes, use those advantages and create those relationships, which is a huge, huge thing for me to kick this off. And it really boosts my confidence. So I started using those experiences that I had in the past and being able to look at the work prior to it happening, go, hey, I see there's probably going to be a problem here because I know the way it's going to happen in the field. So let's get ahead of it before it becomes that problem. And like you said, you know, you might not have the formal education. I think nowadays there's so many different ways to get to where you want to go. And you have the real life education. And I would think that that brings a lot of value and things that not everyone carries. And with that probably comes respect from the people that, you know, you're dealing with. Would you, would you say you kind of feel that rapport? Yeah, I would agree with 100% with that. Once I sit down and I introduce myself to people, hey, I'm your safety representative on site, and I give them a little background of what I did prior, they go, oh, you've been in our shoes. You know what we deal with every day, you know? And it really breaks the ice where, it, you know, it almost feels like they, they accept me for who I am, how I got into my position and why I'm actually there, you know? They know I'm not there just to be a safety cop. I'm there for them. So we can catch things. We can come up with great plans together. But yeah, no, it is a very good additive, especially being able to say, no, I was in those shoes. Do you ever find that that where sometimes that can be used against you by that particular, you know, hey, oh, we understand. Brad, you understand what we're talking about now and and stuff. So so you know why we got to do it this way. Do you ever kind of get, you know, in that kind of realm too sometimes, I would think? Yeah, it is definitely a double-edged sword. There's times where they say, hey, you know, the best way to do this is to this. And I'm like, it may be the fastest way, but is it the safest way, right? Right. Especially work with a lot of good buddies on site uh, where we built relationships over the last, you know, 10 years together, working hand in hand. Fortunate enough, the company I work for, we hold safety at very high priority and our foremans do as well. So, I mean, it's a simple conversation when it comes to that. Say, like, I, I get where you're coming from. But yes, this process may take a little longer, but you guys are getting paid by the hour, right? So let's let's utilize that. Let's do it the right way and do it one time. 
Right. And not only that, when, when you get it down correctly, it's more efficient anyway. It's just as efficient as the other way. It just took a little bit more time to up planning and stuff up, up front, right? I, normally, I kind of find that, that a lot of times when you have safety going pretty well, you're actually going to be more efficient because everybody knows what they're doing. They know what their expectations are and, and, and so forth. What are your thoughts? No, I agree 100% that pre-planning is so huge. I mean, they always say, you know, how could this be different? Well, what steps got missed, right? So we rely on a lot on resilience. And where does that resilience come in? You know, it's not the, always the people in the field that make that mistake. This could be a mistake in the planning process way prior to even coming out. Excellent yeah. point. Yeah. Excellent point, Brad. Because really a lot of times, sometimes we're, we're putting those people in the field in bad spots because we haven't really either provided them the equipment, we haven't thought about this, or we're just doing it to hurry it up to get it done and then get on to the next task. Right? Absolutely. I have a question going back to, you know, you said kind of how you started as, you know, in the field as a worker and worked your way up to safety because one part because of your injury. You know, sometimes when you're in safety, you have to present or explain things about why to be safe. And sometimes I would think a lot of people are like, I've been doing this for years. I'm good. Nothing's ever happened to me. I would think in your um, situation, your story is very credible for people to be tangible. Like, hey, this guy, you know, he's he's been there. And I think stories and examples are always so powerful. And you, you have that right at the, you know, unfortunately, at the tip of your fingers, but it's led you to where you can make a difference. Yeah, no, that I do use it a lot to leverage safety and building culture. Building culture is huge where if you can build that solid culture. When I go back to my story, I go back to stories of my friends that have gotten injured mm. and say, you know, these things happen. These are tasks they've done thousands and thousands of times, but it's always that one-off time where something does happen. Why are we taking that chance? You know, going back and I always go back to every recovery. I said, I always tell everyone, whether it be an orientation or working in the field with someone correcting a situation is I was recovering for two years. Wow. I said, there's a lot of time lost with family, friends, work, you name it. So I said, if there's something we can do different where you don't have to have that experience, let's do it that way and learn from the, my, my mistakes and mistakes from people that we know. What a powerful message though, right? From somebody that was in the field, understands it, and now is you know on the other side of the coin, if you will. But also you, the way you're looking at it and, and helping people through that. But the reality is you're still not through that pain of that, you know, you're still dealing with that day to day, you know, and I think that's another thing that, that is important to re, you know, that, yeah, we talk about that two year span, but you're, you're still dealing with that almost on a daily basis, right? I mean, and so it's, it's not something that just goes away. You know, a lot of times you hear, oh, uh, so-and-so was hurt, but they're okay because they're in the hospital, they're in ICU, and they'll make it. Yeah, they, they may make it, but their life, their quality, like you say, is completely different. Yeah, no, that is 100% true. And those are not OSHA stats, right? I mean, the pain and suffering that goes along with it is just a recordable or not recordable. I mean, you know, so. Yep, yep, no, and and with that, I mean, every time, you know, I still get pain constantly. I was always not a believer in, oh, I got metal in my body with that cold affects it. Well, I can testify that cold really does affect me. <laughs> I bet. And those different operations that happen, I mean, it, it's so it's so weird, especially having it firsthand, but sharing those experiences like, hey, guys, this really does suck. I can't bend as much as you can, right? Right. You can tie down, bend down and tie your shoes. I got slip-on boots now, you know, so there's so many different additives, even the way you do things outside of work 
you know, really controlling movements, being more careful, being more diligent on what you're doing. It's not just, you know, he made it, he's fine. There's things that you have to change for the rest of your life when something like that happens. And that's a big deal. Absolutely. So Brad, what do you think is the difference between a job culture and just uh, basically safety culture? So I think they go hand in hand, right? Every time I get on site, I like to take a pulse. What's happening? What are the guys talking about, right? Or if you have a negative culture, it impacts that safety so much because guys aren't in it to win it per se, but they're out there just getting past doing the day-to-day activities and going, okay, I want to get out of here. If you have that positive culture rolling through, getting out there, talking with people, seeing what's happening, how we can improve their process, I see the morale go up and the production as well. And that safety just goes hand in hand with those. And if you can have a safe, productive job site, you can't ask for more. Yeah, I think you make a good point. We talk, I feel like, frequently about culture on the show, how to build it, how to sustain it. It sounds like you work for a company that um, backs it up and sees the benefit of it. I like how you said, you know, you get on a job site and you try to get, I think you said you try to take a pulse, like you get a feel for it. Taking the time is a big deal, wouldn't you say? And when you don't take the time, you know, if you want to build that culture and relationships, it takes time and that's not something everyone wants to do, but it sounds like you you understand the benefit. Yeah, no, the the big benefit is, you know, after you build that culture, how do you maintain that culture is what I always look yeah. at. Yeah. You know, these jobs are so big now and they happen so fast. All jobs are pretty much 16 months and you're you're out of there, right? So how do you take that? positive culture and especially as you start onboarding more and more people how do you maintain that you have so many different personalities to bounce through and different perspectives how can we get a good plan together and address everyone treat everyone as a person not a number is the big thing to me where you can have those personal conversations figure out what's going around and use that to your advantage especially when it comes to safety and i know you um you said that doing that and building a culture where, you know, you focus on the morale, there's a sense of pride then, too, in what people do, right? I mean, sometimes, yes, you want to get in, you want to go out, but I think when you build the culture and the morale, that leads to pride in the work that's being performed. And I would think that is kind of more of a, a tangible thing for, for the people to hold on to, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Especially being someone that came from the field is... You always got the only job. You got to look back. I built that, right? Yeah. You got to see what you did. Now get in the safety realm, completely different. I always use that with the guys like, hey, you guys did this. I said, I was here to help support you, but you guys are the ones that built it, right? And I always carry that on because we always have those repeat jobs and I'm always working with the same people constantly. So it's like, hey, remember when we did this and that was success? And using those success stories to start building that culture is huge. Yeah. You know how it always is. The last job was the greatest job ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but being that resource is what I like so much, Brad, is because that, that's really what we are. We're a resource to help the job get done, you know, with quality, production and safety. Right. All three of those have to go together for any project to be successful. And so it sounds like you at Mortensen have that, you know, working those three things to make sure you get done, get the job done safely, but also make sure it's a quality job and finishing up with production. Yeah. No. And that's that's the whole thing where anytime they say, well, we need to get this done. I said, you know, it's always important, you know, your former already fo- focused on production. But I said, take a step back. I said, let's be honest. You you could get this done, but if we have an incident, we all know that schedule doesn't matter anymore. 
Mm-hmm. So is it more important that we do it right the first time safely and we keep that production heavy? Or, you know, how does that lay out to that person in their aspect and try to build that right away in the beginning of the job? Well, even think about it, you know, as from, uh, you know, uh, somebody on a crew. Okay, let's just say there's a crew. Somebody on that crew gets hurt. Okay. That foreman, you know, did some planning, whatever. It could have been the foreman's fault. Might not have been. That's irrelevant. Imagine how that person is feeling or that foreman now. You know, because their intention was to get the job done, get it done right, get it done safe, get it done quick. But then somebody got hurt on it. And at the end of the day, we're all people. And so that has to affect, I would think, the foreman, too. I don't know how you feel about that, you know. But sometimes we don't look at that because we're just looking at the day-to-day. Yeah, no, it it definitely does affect the foreman. A lot of the guys, you know, we're all that tough, strong construction worker out there, right? But no matter how tough they think they are, they do care a lot. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) that's exactly it. Just kind of bringing into, I guess, the talk about culture and keeping people safe. What do you think the value of training is, the importance of it as it fits into there? Obviously, sometimes, you know, you have this checklist and you have to train on this and that. But, um, you know, where do you see the real value in getting that through in a in a positive way so people do that buy-in and own it? Yeah, trainings to me are huge. I think it's something that gets overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at the age of the craft workers we have right now, you know, what is the average craft worker, about 40 at this point, 35, 40? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of younger kids coming in that have no experience. And getting that good training, being thorough, get them involved and teaching them so they don't make mistakes or they know how to do the work correctly is huge. And I mean, that even goes back to going into process, depending on what trade they're in or where they're coming from and learning that process so they can develop, you know, we're in that point right now where we're developing all the next foremans that are going to lead our companies. So having that training and getting them involved right away is so big. Would you say that training can even be looked at as more like of a, a mentorship or a mentoring the people that have the experience that have been there and the younger people coming in, maybe even mentoring is a, is a good word. You know, if they can learn from the people who have been doing it, right? You don't have to be an official trainer, but there's a lot to be said in just following someone that has that experience and knowledge. Yeah, that's huge too. If you look at, you know, everyone learns a different way, right? You have the guys that want to sit down. I want to see a manual. I want to read yep, it. Yep. And then you have the other portion that say, I want to see it done. Especially for a lot of people I work with right now, you know, I could sit in a training, talk them blue in the face about safety and how to do it right. And at the end of it, I say, do you have any questions? Yeah, I don't quite understand. Do you think we can do this? I said, you're going to get so much experience in the field. But when you're starting, the big thing is partnering up with someone that has the knowledge and is a good teacher. Because those are guys that are going to build that upcoming generation and give them the hands-on learning. I agree with you. I think one of the best things you can do, and I use a nine-inch grinder is a great example, right? Nine-inch grinder looks pretty nice sitting there on the desk and stuff like that. You have somebody new that comes in and you tell them, well, you got to make sure the guard's on, the handle has to be on, manufacturer, yada, 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 and you talk about all that stuff. And guess what? They still really haven't learned anything, right? I mean, actually how to use that because that thing can come back and bite and bite quickly. You know, so being able to have somebody come in and actually show them how to do that, you know, it takes time planning and stuff like that. But I think those are kind of what you're talking about is, is really to get that hands on because a lot of people, they want to see that work and then actually perform it so they know that they're meeting your expectations. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. You always have your in-class portion and we do a lot of, I like bringing stuff in where they can put their hands on it like we're just talking about, Ted. Yeah. It's so big where they can actually put the tool together 
they can see, you know, like talk about the nine inch grinder, talk about a tool that has kickback when you hit on the wrong part of the wheel, right? Yes. On the first time that happens kind of freaks you out a little bit. But even going into that is you bring in the tool and then the alternative PPE that comes along with it for protection, which we all got stories about, you know, the guy that didn't have the grinder face shield on and stuff like that, where, you know, if you can hit them, get them something solid where they can come back and go, oh, I don't want that to happen. And they leave with that piece of information. Don't scare them so they're afraid of it, but let them know what could happen is really big. That's such a great point, Brad, because a lot of times in safety, what do we do? We talk about the fatalities. We talk about all this kind of stuff. And pretty soon they'll be sitting there going, what in the heck am I doing here? Because I have all these chances. And we, we sometimes overdo it, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. A big thing that we try doing at the company I'm with is we try doing positive incentives, right? Or positive observations. How many times is it, you know, I can speak from experience in the field where someone came up and said, hey, you did awesome today. You never get that. Right. You always get the, here's what you did wrong, or, you know, or this could have been different. What did we learn from this, right? We're taking those positive opportunities. You know, we always look back at the 80-20 lot, right? We always focus on that 20% that went wrong. What about that 80% that went right? Why are we not looking at that? You know, it's huge to, to turn that aspect and look at that 80%. And a lot of times that 80% is a lot higher, you know, and so those are great points. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody, this is Ted. You want to move your career along quicker? Allow me to be able to mentor you. Time for mentoring within a lot of our organizations is tough. Time is little. 97% of mentees say it is very valuable for their career to be mentored. It is a tough job that just doesn't have enough time for safety professionals sometimes. I have mentored over 100 safety professionals in my career, and we are the best at mentoring safety professionals because we understand the work. We have a simple three-step process to get you started. Go to healthandsafetynow.com, click on the black button in the top right corner, fill out the information, and submit. It is that easy, and we can get started tomorrow. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a super safe day. Well, hey, Brad, I want to thank you for uh, being on our podcast. But as you know, I'm the positive safety coach. And as we like to do here on Ted Speaks is have a little fun with you. The question is, are you ready for our jokes? I've been waiting. <laughs> okay. I didn't know God, maybe maybe you had your kid, I, I didn't know if you had, maybe has your kids prepare you for these jokes. So, <laughs> Oh, I guess I'm up first. Okay. Here we go. Why did the car get a flat tire? Why did the car get a flat tire? Oof, this is a tough one. <laughs> you ready for the answer? I am dying in anticipation. <laughs> I bet you are. Because there was a fork in the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. kind, of, kind of on a side note on that one, our son had a flat tire last night. But it was on an airplane that he was flying, so... That joke wouldn't be the same for him, but you know. That could be catastrophic, eh? Well, (laughs) it was in a safe place. It wasn't. He landed first, so that was good, I guess. He landed, he was good, and everything like that. We had to push him back in the hangar, but it all worked. (laughs) Anyway, number two, are you ready? Mine's going to be even funnier than Barb's because, well. Maybe. When is it bad luck to follow by a black cat? When is it bad luck to be followed by a black cat? Hmm. Well, I'm going to start playing the Jeopardy music um, here. I'm, I'm thinking at any time, uh, any- see that that black cat always comes with a negative response. <laughs> oh, do you forget? I'm the positive safety coach. That's not when you are a mouse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Hey, Brad, thank you for being on TED Speaks today. Um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and ask you some questions and stuff like that, what would be the best way of uh, doing that, any of our listeners? So the best way to do it is probably uh, give Ted a call. He can give you my contacts. He does have them. I work with Ted in the out there. Otherwise, you can reach me at my first name is Brad, last name Share. There's a dot in between those two at Mortensen.com. Great. Well, well, thank you for being on the show today, Brad. And uh, you brought a lot of good, uh, you know, uh, Barb and I always try to say that we get one thing we want our listeners to get out of. And I think you had several of those pointers and reminders that we all need every once in a while. So thank you for being on the show and have a super safe day. Yeah, thank you so much, Brad. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Sounds good. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 